This is the Dennis Miller Option. Your source of opinions, stories, and laughs from comedian slash comedian Dennis Miller and his guy Friday Christian Blatt. So let's light that candle, Hiroshi. Ladies and gentlemen, Dennis Miller. Hey, folks. Welcome to the Dennis Miller Option. And uh, very beautiful ceremony this morning for uh, Bush 41. I think he would have dug it. Alan Simpson, very funny. And uh, W funny and then sweet. And, uh, and I just thought it was, uh, is, is there anything that delights Bush more or uh, Trump more than to know he is so far in her head? That before they left the hotel today, they were probably at the Willard, she leaned in the bum and said, if you get up and kiss Melania, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> I can just hear it. And uh, Clinton looks dinged, right? Yeah. he's, uh, he's a He little... looks like he, he he fucked himself dim or something. He's crazy. <laughs> and Obama's always so cool. His social graces are always so cool. Uh, you know, I, I thought he was ineffectual uh, as a president, but he's a cool guy and a good man, it seems to me. I don't know. But uh, I love the way he sat there. You could see he realized the solemnity of the moment. And he's kind of, uh, you know, sitting there and Clinton's next to him doing shadow figures and shit, just trying to, you know, do party <laughs> tricks. And Obama's giving him this, like, nod, like, yeah, I get it. We're at Cat's funeral. <laughs> And Hillary's down there, so cranky, and Bill's nuts, and Carter and his wife, I'm happy to see them still alive. He seems like a good man, too. He was a a horrible president. I was looking, it's funny to me, because we had the three guys down the hour, beloved, uh, much beloved, and much, much beloved, and then you got the guy who hated uh, at the end of the hour, and he's got to tidy up the mess of all the other cats who... uh, you know, are beloved, but uh, quite frankly, left the shop <laughs> a little bit of disarray. The campgrounds <laughs> with the uh, deficit close to twenty billion dollars. It's that at the end you got Trump, and it's like everybody. Hey, and I was surprised to find out that the Bush funeral is actually part of the Nick Jonas Priyanka Chopra wedding. Yeah, I mean, you have to think of it as kind of the intermission, you know. Day the, uh, 15, you know. <laughs> and I guess they're offering it up with some sort of, uh, I don't know, to give it scale, their wedding, some sort of sorbet or emotional grounding that you can get your feet back on because tomorrow is, uh, let me see, what is this, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle masquerade party for the Jonas Day 15 of the Jonas Priyanka Chopra wedding ceremony. Um, yeah, but Hillary's just ruined by, you know, she everything she sees now, she's in that odd place where she, you know how little you control your mind? I don't know about you. Well, you know, I'm not like Kreskin or Yuri Geller or one of these monks who passes a knotted cloth through his colon, you know. Uh <laughs> There are days you think, don't think of this or don't do and and like within eight seconds, you're on it, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, it almost is like a trigger mechanism where you think, well, I don't want to think about that. Now you're screwed because you're halfway to thinking about it by trying to not think about it. And then you think about it and you think, Christ, do I have any access to the keel in this fucking ship called Dennis Miller? Obviously, I don't. So I'm looking at her and I know she's got the same problem where he walks in late. He's the prez. <laughs> 
and she, you know she's thinking, don't, don't give him any energy. Don't give him a backdraft. And yet he leans, uh, he uh, shakes hands with Obama. I'm thinking, that's Obama. He's cool. He knows he's immortal now. And uh, his wife, I think, is no fan of uh, um, Trump, but she understands there are not not in the same way Melania does. She's got some specific issues she has to deal with with her old man. And like I said, I always thought Obama was a true mensch for, you know, as cool as he is, never running around. I mean, Christ, you never hear a thing. So I always admired that about him as a husband and a family man. So she, but she, she also knows what it's like to be, even when you're uh, impressive like her to people, and uh, and she, I think she has the number one book of the year and all these huge sell. I mean, she's much loved, but you're second, right? So I think she understands Melania to some degree. So she leans in and gives a shake, and then Bill goes to, but then she hits the, uh, you know, the bug zapper. <laughs> she's got attached to his balls. <laughs> He has to lean back, but you can see he was moving in at least on a Melania hold hand, something that he could work off of later. You know, he, he t- he's one of those guys who takes, uh, like, wank Polaroids in his head. You know, he can you can actually hear the snap coming out of his ear, and then he gets it back to the Willard. And, and he gets out the Willard. Wally with his Willard. But uh, Hillary didn't even look up. And I said, who does he own here? <laughs> Remember Andre used to always use that great term of certain guys he could beat in tennis. And I'd say, you're worried about this match? He's like, are you kidding me? I'm so far into his fucking kitchen he can't see. <laughs> and he's he is in her kitchen, man. Oh, that made me laugh. So a lovely ceremony. Like I said, Simpson was uh, sweet and... Uh, you know, uh, God rest uh, Bush's soul. I'm uh, I'm uh, happy. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yellow. I'm sorry, Hillary. It was a joke. <laughs> Jesus, how did she get my number? Oh, she has a lot of. Numbers. She still has that security clearance. <laughs> but I knew she had subscribed to the pod. Oh, oh! I can't. Believe she needs this. you to be heard. I, Hilly, I can't. No, he's your problem. She wants me to do a trust exercise with Clinton and then back away on a bed of nails, and I just can't do it right now because I'm doing the pod. <laughs> well, you know, she has a lot of numbers except for 270. Subscri- what is this story? I'm seeing a scroll across the screen about kept somebody on staff for oral sex. Is this another Bill Clinton's? Oh, Les Moonves. <laughs> Sorry. I, I just caught that peripherally. Yeah. I thought it was a Bill Clinton story. It's a Les Moonves story. Most people might have that version. It turns out that this most recent mistress I know uh, a little uh, Bobby Phillips. Did we talk about this on the show? We did not talk about this on the show. Um,. I used to have a talk show for, like, the Chicago Tribune for around six months, and they should have held in there. We were getting decent ratings, but I, I can't, you know, sometimes I, when I get whacked early from a show, I just prorate the salary, and I, I made out all right. It's not, you know, not like I'm looking to plant the flag, but I was pretty far up the mountain with that one. Comfy with the Sherpas, watching a little Nepalese porn, which they call Nep Nep. <laughs> There's the site that you order over there, up at Fifth Base Camp, pretty warm in my down, and trust me, they all laughed at that, uh, sleeping bag, and, uh, oh, I can get on this? 
You were saying that the, the talk show was uh, building and uh, oh, right. you were about to and talk we about all th- the Jinky the Fruit Bat merchandise you would have been able to sell. <laughs> I remember the best part of uh, there used to be an agent who would come to the show. He was an older cool cat. His son's name was Danny Robinson and Danny used to get us a lot of comedians. Uh, for the show, and Bud was his father, and he was an avuncular old cool cat. Had a little Daddy Warbucks Lex Luthor look, and he used to come over to the show with his son, and I love Bud. Uh, sweet, sweet guy. He's always nice to me, always pretended I mattered. In showbiz, you know, when I was a tertiary player, he would always pretend that I, he, he and George Slaughter, I gotta give them that. They made you feel like you were in the locus of it. And uh, we... Kevin Rooney came up with an idea for a character where we would just have him talking like my Ed McMahon or something. Right? His name was Jinky the Fruit Bat. We had a picture of this bat up close, and we'd put a, like a clutch cargo mouth over him where it would move. i go, hey, Jinky. <laughs> and, you know, he'd... Hey, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd hear this wing sound like... Are you? Who's, who's on the show tonight? <laughs> and so eventually somebody, some madman on the staff, it might have been Norm even, uh, we made T-shirts up with a close-up of this fruit bat with like a fucking shrew in his mouth or something. It was so grotesque. And then at the bottom, Norm, I think, added uh, bookings. ICM responsible agent Bud Robbins. <laughs> Bud loved that. Like Bud was covering the desk for Jinky the Fruit Bat when people would call in for personal appearances, opening auto dealerships and such. <laughs> but just the sound effect was, who's on tonight? Uh, and that show got whacked, surprisingly, after six months. But anyway, one of the things was Eddie Feldman played a mad scientist who would – I just remember he had a lab coat, and uh, he would walk around and discuss the inner workings of that night's show. I can't even remember. It was like a fluoroscope on tonight's show, and Eddie was a scientist, and he had an assistant, and it was that girl, Bobby Phillips. Oh. And I think Slattery, one of my other producers, started uh, – uh, you know, seeing her. I think that's how Les thought of it. But, uh, you know, you know, less, less is more. <laughs> and uh, he always seemed like it. Yeah, I got a vibe off him one night, man. I remember thinking, is he skeevy? Or am I just embittered about an asshole like that rising up, you know? I couldn't tell. Yeah. You know, you have that moment where once in a while you look at a guy and you, you just get a little skeeve off him and you shake your head and think, and there's the cats that rule the town. You know what I mean? And you can't really tell if that's a legit uh, observation you've made or you're just, uh, you know, well, what is it, envious of him or something. And I said, I'm not envious of that guy. But, he, you know, he just was so powerful. And he gave me a, a look outside an elevator like, uh, yes, I'm nodding at you. Go live off this for a while. And uh, This will heal whatever ails you inside. Yeah, yeah. Just touch the hem of my cloak if you can get this chick I don't know who isn't my wife off it. And uh, so I must say that there are certain guys you watch squirm a little and it doesn't really bother you. Because, man, he, today I heard he had a chick on stat or a chick. A dame. Yeah. Can you say dame anymore? We'll also accept broad. 
He had a, a what would be another word? Mall, I guess, in the old film. Mall was that word? Mall or mall? Gun mall. I believe it was uh, M O L L, like like the great actor Richard Mall. Richard Mall, yeah. Uh, hey, there is no night court without Richard Mall, and there is no CPO Sharky without that kid who looked like him with hair. <laughs> what was his name? Peter. Look up CPO yeah. Sharky, and you should find a picture of a big Aryan Stephen King looking motherfucker, uh, like six seven, and. Uh, some sort of goofy smile. He was like second there uh, to, uh, well, that's, that's, that's Rickles was the main guy. And you remember the night where Rickles hosted uh, the Tonight Show and broke Johnny's cigarette box? I do. And Johnny picked up live during the Tonight Show. And they were, he says, what, what happened here? Well, you know, he's got an ascot on. It was that era. He's smoking a smick. Uh, Fred, what happened here? Freddie DeCordova says, Rickles. And he said, you're kidding me. He said, no, he guest hosted the other night. He broke it. Carson said, uh, what is that piece of crap he's on? Yeah, you know, just teasing him. And he's a CPO shark. He said, doesn't have a tape somewhere here on the lot? He said, it's next door. So he said, let's go find him. <laughs> Does the handheld shot from Goodfellas and walks in on Rickles, taping some scene. Rickles laughs so freaking <laughs> hard that Johnny's just over to the chastise. And, you know, it, it all came down to whether Johnny dug you or not, because I think Dick Sean one night flipped over Rickle's desk and did, uh, or flipped over Johnny's desk when he was guest hosting and uh, did Washington crossing the Delaware, you know, stood with his foot up on the front of the desk and kind of wrecked the desk. Trust me, those desks were shit. That was the beauty of show business to me. I always loved that everything was a fake. They couldn't even put a legit desk in there. Yeah, when I had a talk show, I remember they had a legit desk. And I said, this doesn't auger well because Johnny's the guy. He'll be the guy forever. And his desk was crappy. Or I remember at the beginning when I first was there. And uh, he flipped it and stood on it. And he was banished from the kingdom, man. I don't think Dick Sean was ever on again. When, when the hammer came down with Johnny, you were gone. <laughs> Oh, man. I remember when I got that talk show, I was around a month in, and I was sweating ratings. I wasn't very good at it. I think I got okay at it, but I was at that point, you're all flailing. You watch anybody who does it the first month, and very infrequently they have it down. It's kind of it, it's a hard gig, and you're trying to make more of it than it is, and you can only do a month and find out that you have to inhabit it less than more for it to work. And uh, I remember I, calling Grillo, uh, my assistant, said, pick up. And I picked up the phone. I hear that famous voice. And she said, not that easy, is it, kid? <laughs> Blew my mind, man. And I said, no, it isn't, brother. Um, the actor you were coolest. thinking of was Peter, Peter Isaacson. Yeah, Peter Isaacson. That's right. Does he look like a big Aryan? Yes. Steve King a little? Was that an apt descriptor? Yeah, a, a sort of a hybrid of uh, Stephen King and Richard Mall with, uh, with uh, a little Bill Gates hair. Um, so Clinton or, uh, Bush, George, uh, H and Alan Simpson said it best, you know, God called him back who lived their life more than that. And so it is over except, uh, I guess Biden, who I saw in the second row, will have to go back tonight and think of ways to exaggerate who was there. 
Since well, everybody was there ever, Biden's going to have to say, yeah, I was sitting next to this little lady named Amelia Earhart. And she said, you know the Lindbergh baby, don't you? I said, no, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we're renting a uh, Christine Blasey Ford apartment off Jimmy Hoffa. That'll be Biden's tail at the diner tomorrow morning. It's not enough that every person ever. It's freezing up here today, by the way. Uh, Ian will testify. Is this, is this not cold, my man? Jesus. And we have an English. Uh, my wife's assistant is English. And I won't say her name. Nobody likes to share people's names on the radio or TV uh, unless you ask them first. Let's I'm call sure her Mary Poppins. Yeah, like that. <laughs> And uh, it's so cold out here today. And she said, God, it's cold. You know, I can't do an English accent. Well, unless I don't want to. When I want to, I can't. You know, I end up sounding like Gunga Din. Hello, governor. Like that that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Like Rudyard Kipling trying to get uh, get a new bowler hat. But um, she said, it's absolutely Baltic. <laughs> is that not a brilliant descriptor? Uh, very Baltic? accurate. Oh, I didn't say accurate. Why do you have to fucking take the magic out of a kid protractor? Huh? Jesus. Let's measure. Let's see if that, uh, that, that tractor shell can cut that curb. Maybe if we put a hinge. This is a sweet image. Um, you know, it's Dennis cold Miller. down here, too. <laughs> Dennis Miller option here. <laughs> I'm teasing. You. I, you oh, know, I know. I love your deconstructualistic ways. You know, my sister-in-law is visiting me. She's from Canada, and she told me, interestingly enough, she was following the stock market today. Our stock market was closed. <laughs> and she's following the Toronto Stock Exchange. And she was showing me some of the charts on her screen, you know, how you interpret data. Because I, I don't – I watch it for one reason. It's like Seinfeld's joke about when my car breaks down, I open the hood. I don't even know why I'm opening the hood. I don't know what to do. If there's not a big on-off switch in the off position, I don't know what I'm doing under there. And it's the same with me in the stock market channel. It's either green with the arrow up or red with it down. But she was showing me how to glean some of the data off the charts. And she said to me – and well, she didn't say. She didn't make it up – uh, marijuana stocks or pot stocks, as they're called, are listed in the healthcare sector now on the Canadian Stock Exchange. Not not funny. Who'd have thought? Uh, you know, joints, reefers, <laughs> anything from in a scant uh, what is it, fifty years before it went mainstream? Maybe. You know, I mean, jazz cats. Where Robert Mitchum was doing it on the Champs Elysees in the '40s, but I'm talking about by and large when the kids, sophomores in high school, started getting yeah. loaded on pot. '68, '67. Yeah. So around 50 years, it's gone from you know, kids sneaking a bag of it on a car as they went out at night and listened to their Bad Company eight-track tapes, to uh, being listed on the healthcare <laughs> sector. <laughs> Of the stock exchange, God, a lot has happened in my tenure on this planet. I'm telling you, man, you you factor in computers going from a big fucking mega machine in the middle of Manhattan that they're feeding cards with hanging chads into to a little thing in your hand that has every book and song ever made. And then you mix in uh, AIDS, obviously, where all of a sudden 
uh, we go from the most probably well it's not exactly ancient rome is it but uh, you know capriciously horny time in modern life where people were being indiscriminate and maybe indeed that led to uh some of our uh you know uh, the indiscriminate nature of it might have uh, spread it but uh the uh aids happening in my life so i always think computers AIDS, and what was the one I just mentioned, uh, marijuana stock. You know, it's just funny to me that when people say, I feel anxiety-wracked in modern life, you just want to say, that's a 50-year period, man, where a lot happened. You throw in you throw in channels 2, 4, and 11 with a pair of rabbit ears and tinfoil on the top of the TV, to me being able to, you know, download uh, an entire filmography of somebody with a couple hits of a button, or stream any t you know so and it just in addition to the telecommunications quality of the handheld you throw those four things in you're talking about whew, i mean that is a wide chasm for people to straddle uh, you know there's a fine line between uh um nietzsche's admonition that man is a rope stretched over the abyss on the one side every man on the other side ubermensch to you uh, going past the uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme vertical on the kitchen counter and, like, you know, <laughs> pronating your groin area and snapping into, I think that's where we've existed. <laughs> Don't I remember some Jean-Claude Van Damme thing where he hops up on a counter? Yes, I believe that's in Time Cop. Yeah, and uh, all somebody had said was, hey, can you open this? <laughs> The motherfucker jumps up on, on the kitty corner of the thing. Yeah, give it here. Nah, I, I think I won't. I'll, I'll pass on it or get a glass cutter. Thank you much. I don't like the mechanism. Um, all right. What else? I read a brilliant article by a cat who's a, a never Trumper, a Trump hater, indeed, named T.H. Frank. I was referred to it. I don't want you to think I go to this site on my own because I don't. Uh, VanityFair.com, because I met Graydon Carter one night at a party, and oddly enough, I had been on that list for his Oscar party, where you'd get an invite. And I always said, geez, I'm not a, probably his cup of tea. Um, I should go thank that man. Just being polite, you know. Sure. So I went up and said, hi, I'm Dennis Moore, as I know. And I said, I just wanted to say that I don't know I'm... Uh, Exactly, your cup of tea politically, and yet I get an invitation to your Oscar party. I've gone once. I, I don't go a lot because I don't live here, but I thought that was uh, open-minded of you, and I want to thank you. Never got invited again. <laughs> it's like he used it as a saying. He probably went back and said, who, are we inviting him? <laughs> Wait, he's on the list? <laughs> <laughs> so since then, I won't, I, you know, I, I stray from Vanity Fair, but I got reference there. I'm not so nuts that I can't do the thing where people, I won't watch anything he's in, or I won't read anything. That, But I read an article by this cat called T.H. Frank, uh, where he hates Trump, and he talks about, was Russiagate worth it? And it's pretty fascinating. Uh, I, I think it's a good read. I won't spoil it or try to. It, it's It was so well written that I don't think, you know when something's so well written that you don't want to paraphrase it? Sure, absolutely. You know, paraphrasing some sort of you bit surfing onto it. And for the people who don't know what bit surfing is, when my old radio show, when somebody would do a joke and then somebody else would like to tag along on the joke to accrue some sort of sidecar benefit. And they just tweak it like minimally, like if you the, like the joke was something that ended in like the Riddler, and they'd come on and say, or the Joker, 
you know, it's the same bit. They would just tweak which King Batman villain it was. Yeah, we invented a song called. Uh, it was like a Beach Boy song. A uh, bit surfing, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they're waxing up a premise and taking it on down to the beach. Bit surfing, yo, bit surfing. So um, I, I won't bit surf on this uh, pretty cool article. And not, it's, you're not going to come out of it not a little ding because you can't believe the things they hate him for. But I'm just saying it might be a good first step because they thought it was pretty wise what the guy said. And he acquiesced to some notions I have, not that he knew they were mine. Okay, enough, enough with the fucking self-deprecation. Jesus Christ, this is getting sick. In its own way, that's perverse, isn't it, Christian? Yeah. Once you self-deprecate the fourth time in a sentence, are you not, you know, uh, Gandhi in the, the Castro convertible store saying, <laughs> and then I laid down at the horse's hooves like this just to get a freebie mattress? I was always told that it was a turn-on to the ladies to self-deprecate four times in a sentence. So I don't know what you're talking about. I told you I put a little seed money into an off-Broadway production of 12 Angry Men with all butch women. <laughs> I do believe you did tell me yeah. that it is. And uh, they said, thank you, and we prefer you don't call this seed money. <laughs> Oh, that's nice, Sammy. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, you know, I was thinking of Brian Williams today because he got caught in the enhancement thing. And I was wondering, how does that happen? But then I was watching the Bush uh, ceremony, and he was in a raft when they rescued him. And I'd always told that story. I thought I had heard they found him on the wing of his plane. But it'll show you the the human urge to enhance and garnish even, like, stories that are settled you know, in, in the iconography. Uh, because I was thinking a wing doesn't even work for that, does it? If a man rides his plane down into the Pacific and he's still near the wing, he's dead, right? Yeah, I guess he'd have to be on the tail. What do you, skim coat it in or do the Bardol, Barbasol razor, you know, uh, shaving cream that they put on the runway? You're coming in and, like, I think they always say it's like above 10 miles an hour, water might as well be cement. That always boggles my mind. When they tell you that, because even when you're on a plane and you're flying to Europe or something, and you think, well, if we have to go down, you can bring it down, you know. Well, first, my first thought is I'll do the cartoon thing, or I'll just tell him to open the door, and when we get within four feet of the uh, the surface, I'll just jump out the door, not understanding. That's what I used to think when I was a little kid, not understanding the rules of, would it be inertia, or what is inertia is a lack of uh, momentum. Right. Laws of physics. If you're in a thing that travels 500 miles an hour, you can't jump out at the last second and immediately, you know, go to. Uh, uh, there's a a thing, um, terminal velocity, where if you throw somebody told me if you throw a penny off the Empire State Building, it picks up most of its speed in the first five feet, and then all the conditions between, you know, King Kong's floor and the sidewalk, don't let it get any faster. You know, where you, you would be prone to think that it would just keep picking up yeah. speed, but it doesn't. It kind of gets wavery, and the winds can hit it. Indeed, a big wind goes up, it slows it down, and by the time it hits you in the head, you might, you know, be able to look up just with one, you know, pretty dinged up eye and say, I've got a penny to spend on surgery here because my one eye's out, but I'm not <laughs> dead. It didn't go through me. 
So I used to think that about planes. And the second thing was uh, if you couldn't just step out the door um, – I forget what the point of this was. It was about H.W. Uh, Bush being in, in the raft. Yeah, I remember that point. part of it, but I had some sub-point between the main point and the distaff point. You wanting to jump out the door at the last I'm second? sharp today. Can I tell you something? I had a filet of fish for lunch. Oh. Is Mickey D's eating, eating into your storytelling ability? Because I, I was saying it it's not like I'm burger deadened. Yeah. You have I'm the just not feeling fresh here, Christian. Well. So was a, that was a good improv I had going. And it was something about there was another thing you could do right as the plane was about to hit, but it wasn't step out the door. There was yet another thing. And now I, uh, I've, I've, uh, I've, uh, well, would you like me to come in with some weak cheese to try and, uh, well, give me your theory on what I was going to say there. Well, I'm not quite sure. Plane's about to hit. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And then he pulls the nose up and you skid it in. Like Opie throwing the rock in the lake at the beginning of Andy Griffith. <laughs> sure. So you always think, certainly, I would be able to do that if we got down near water as opposed to ground. Ground's got to be more of a bitch to do that with. But they say no. Nope. I have Christmas carolers who came last night. They were right in the middle of a Deste Fidelis. I looked down and said, this is so sweet. And uh, they flipped the hymnal book and the, guy, the kids you have no idea fucking physics. You have no idea fucking physics. If it lands on the water, it's just like dirt. You have no idea fucking physics. And uh, nothing there. What's with the Tommy John things? Jesus, God. I, j I just turned around. There's a, there's a commercial for Tommy John undies, and this guy turns away from his... Bedroom Mary's in a pair of khaki Tommy Johns and his, um, you know, dick area looks like a, <laughs> Christ, it's like Sergeant Rock's helmet from the DC <laughs> comics. Huh? All of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, combat's on. Is that Vic Morrow <laughs> or Rick Jason in that khaki helmet? It's the guy's dick. <laughs> Tommy John surgery's now a vasectomy. And this is what um, we'll send to them to uh, see if they want to be a sponsor, this little bit right here. Uh, <laughs> hey, wasn't I reading some uh, till you can shoot again in erection? Yeah, I think you're talking about blue chew. I sat up in the middle of the night and I said, well, well, let me be a good host. And I said, wish I could read that again right now because that is holy writ. You know, Blue uh, Chew. after you read that, uh, Casey, let me know that uh, they have a uh, complimentary code if you would like to try the product. Uh, <laughs> did he say that? He did. He's like, he's like, I don't know if you want to pass it along to Dennis. But Here's uh, the weird thing, though. It's not like they send you anything. This is how uh, the, the interface on these tech is unbelievable. You literally type the code in and you get a hard on. <laughs> Something, you know, the camera shoots a little spritz ray out and it hits you in the dick and all of a sudden you're at 45 with a German helmet. Um, all right, Christian, let's start feeding me things. Don't we have a backlog? We, we've got a bit of a backlog. <laughs> yeah, I'm but sorry I said that. You, you know what um, I'm much more interested in than the backlog is I wanted to let you know that I, I watched that Orson Welles documentary. Great, huh? It's amazing. And I, I know what you're saying about sometimes you just need to turn it off because he's just, you know, he's he's a bit of an he's, asshole he's, to the people closest to him. He's such a contrarian yeah. and he, he lights up guys who are working for free. 
Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but then at the same time, he's like, he helps that guy edit his porn so that he can get back to work. He like actually like cuts a shower scene in a porn, they tell you. So. Oh, my God. Did I ever tell you? I can't tell him on the air. I'd betray the man. But I'll tell you, remind me after uh, to tell you my uh, Luke Besson uh, Orson Welles story. Okay. I will definitely ask for that. Oh. And maybe I'll, if I can get hold of him somehow, I think he gave me his email. I'll ask him if he minds me sharing that. But it's it's something. I'll look into it. <laughs> well, I don't know if Luke's taking mail. Isn't he in trouble? Didn't I, really uh, I think some, he might have uh, gotten into some trouble, yeah. Yeah, I can't remember what it was about. Uh, but... Uh, uh, if I find that email, I'll send him and ask him if he minds me sharing. But remind me after. Anyway, uh, yeah, Wells is a massive ego, uh, but a fascinating guy. And uh, I don't know. I just finished a book about Howard Hawks, the director. I told you I was reading the same thing. Huge, crazy. I can't even say I like the guy, but boy, did he live Howard Hawks's life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some of these guys, they're just not there for their. It's not my life. Because uh, I can't imagine not being there for your kids and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, they seem to have no, you know, they've turned the uh, paternal pilot light down and it doesn't eat at them that they're not there. I always admire the guys who are there. Like when, you know, you could tell George today was just all racked out about his old man because he was always there for him. So it was very cool. And uh, uh, Alan Simpson said uh, the thing about... Uh, he said, the thing about Bush is he was an honorable man. He's there. And in Washington, D.C., when you take the high road as far as honor goes, let's just say you don't encounter a lot of traffic. Which <laughs> 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 is very cool. Um, oh, right. yeah. Luke so Besson's not going to get back to your email. So I just uh, Googled him. And uh, it's, a, it's a little uh, moon vezzy what's going on with him. So, oh, it is? Yeah, it's going to be a little while before. Moon vezzy. I like that. Shouldn't that be Bond villain? <laughs> it's a moon vezzy. And he's coming up behind you. A double blow license to thrill. Moon vezzy. Good. Bitcoin finger. He loves risk. He loves only risk. He loves risk. Team me up, brother. Uh, I'm out here. I'm Well, yeah, I was. Uh, I just. Well, I'm never telling you, I had a fish sandwich. I'm a little out of it. I'm looking for some help. What size? I look over uh, at you, and you're, you know. Stumbling into the fields. Here, here's what people want to know. What size fries did you get with the fish sandwich? Small. Yeah, that's the way to go. You should be fine. And I put them in the bag, but here's the bad thing I do. Uh, you put them in the bag and you open a thing of salt. And you always think, only use half the salt. 65, something about salt's bad. I always hear that, but then they say salt's the stuff of life. So I'm always mixed up on salt. Like in Gandhi, you know, they, they need their salt. So they sure. Go, and I'm always saying, well, is salt bad or good? Do you know? Is it just iodized salt? Don't we need salt? I think we need it, but it's it's the amount. In Ian, which do you have, have any medical training or anything? And if you don't, get out of here. Conflicting reports. Some people say salt is hmm. as bad as sugar, and other people say that, like you said. Yeah, I just think I'm so I'm torn. So I open that fucking four 
Kit Kat bar of salt? What is that thing about? Can they make that more awkward? <laughs> I think they're thinking, okay, if you're steely, I, I, what am I, a, 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 a fighter pilot landing it on the carrier deck that I can open that thing and only pour one of those little tendrils of salt on? Say facts. You rip it open. Half the salt goes in because you rip it too far down below the perforation. And by the way, folks, if anything just has printing on it that has a dash line, that's not perforated. There has to be some scoring to it. And I don't mean Oscar Hammerstein and Richard Rogers. I mean, there has to be something you can tear more easily than the rest of the paper. The perforation is just for affectation. So you tear it. You're halfway done. Half the salt goes in. You start to put a little more in. You tap it with your finger. And uh, you realize that you're just not that delicate. What am I performing? Microsurgery here? Reattaching capillaries after DeBakey puts the Jarvik 7 heart in? And uh, you knock it all in. You think, oh, fuck it. And then you shut the bag and shake the fries up. And then that's the danger. It's not the size as much. as literally you're bringing things up that are like a Zagnut bar with salt instead of coconut or something. And uh, I, I just did that so people who lack creativity can dive onto their laptop and say, <laughs> here's my creativity. There's no coconut in Zagnut bars. <laughs> you know that guy? <laughs> you know, spelling is him signing the Mona Lisa. Yeah. Good. Good. Grammar is exciting. <laughs> no, really, it's just as creative as somebody. I'm not saying this stuff's gold, but, yeah. It's definitely a precious metal. You don't have to specify which one. <laughs> That's for the there audience. There used to be a comic who just reminded me. I'm on a DC kick today instead of uh, Sergeant Rock. Do you remember Metal Man? I, I remember the name, but I, he's not somebody that I ever yeah, read. Yeah, it was like yeah. gold, iron. No, he was, it was a group of them. They all hung together. Oh, okay. And the, uh, you know, the Fay one was tin. <laughs> tin. I'm sure the last guy to get in, he's like the substitute on a jury, was gold plating man. <laughs> um, anyway, go ahead. Start all right. Reading. So uh, a story that multiple people uh, hmm. tweeted at you that they wanted to get hear your reaction to, including this, somebody. This isn't from previous shows, right? No, no, no. no this you is... realize the moment I say goodbye, I don't remember, nor I want to remember what I just talked about. I know. Every every time we connect, I have to remind you who I am and how long I've known you. We it's like it. that Carvey movie where he woke up and he forgot everything. Clean slate. He had to start his yes. life over every day. He left himself a tape recorder message. It's and he had a smart. sweet dog or something? Yes. I, <laughs> I uh, talked to Carvey this morning, oh. or I sent him a text. I said, are you at this funeral? Yeah. Because they mentioned him. Sure. Uh, the, who was it? John Meacham, who wrote a book about him, said, I talked to Dana Carvey once and asked him the key to doing a good George Bush. And he said, uh, it's Mr. Rogers trying to be John Wayne. Wow. <laughs> Carvey always had swing thoughts, oh, man. man. You could ask him anybody, and he had a two, bing, you know, a two ping thing, and if it was intricate, like a three ping thing, but you could see him just flipping through his file on how to get to that guy, and that was his, uh, I thought, beautiful take on Bush, and you know, you, you can't hear Bush without thinking of Carvey, quite frankly. And that was that, uh, you know, Carvey slept there that night, and they were getting loaded. Well, I don't know if they were getting loaded; they were drinking beers. And Bush made him call the Secret Service guy and order another beer just to see if he knew it was him. Yeah. And he, well, Jim, bring in the, bring in a couple buds. <laughs> no more than this. Wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> and the guy comes in and he says, thank you. He said, thank you, Mr. Brady. But you see, there's where you can't get an honest balance. They all love Bush so much. 
Plus, he's the president. He said, did you know that was not me? That was Dana? And the guy's, oh, I thought it was you, but you can't tell. Yeah. Yeah, it's like uh, Elvis's Memphis Mafia laughing too hard at his shit. <laughs> but I think Bush was so regular, they probably gave him an honest bounce. And I told you last time, the first thing he ever said to me was, I got bar with me tonight, don't say fuck. <laughs> Forgot that, but yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> In the back room at the White House press court dinner. <laughs> he said, uh, President Bush, this Dennis Moore, he said, hey, Dennis. Can entertain tonight. I said, yes, sir. I'll give it a shot. And he said, got bar with me? Don't say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Should I tell that on Kimmel? I was trying to wonder. Or not Kimmel. Uh, Fallon next week. I wonder if I should include I, any of this. I, I would. I think that uh, people will find that interesting. Yeah. I got and that. Fun. And uh, I think I told The, was the, the Jonas wedding? No, nah, I don't think I should bring the Jonas wedding up. Say the Bush funeral was part of the yeah, Jonas wedding. That would be it's okay here in our little sanctum sanctorum where you're just free forming, but to pick it out and isolate it and put it up there like you're chuffed with that looks a little bad. But uh him when Ted Cruz came up to me and him and we were drunk well, I think we're you know, you can't tell. The guy had you know obviously when I was with him, uh the last time he was around ninety. And I do remember he had a glass of wine, and then Barbara didn't want him to have any more, so he said to me, get two and slide me one. <laughs> so I got two glasses of white wine, and I, you know, I was now on my second glass, or third, because I was a little nervous being with him. Not big ones, but, you know, I'm just sipping. Sure. And I'm a little loaded, because I'm not a good drinker, and he's making me laugh, because he's so uh, naughty about getting a second glass of wine, and uh, Ted Cruz comes up, and I say to Ted Cruz, uh, hey. Ted, uh, if you want to get the uh, the journalists off your back, you should tell them that not only are you Hispanic, but you're here illegally. And Bush, <laughs> Bush grabs my fucking arm. I thought I killed him. He was laughing so hard. <laughs> Ted Cruz walks away. I'm thinking this is so funny that I'm a little gassed with this cat sneaking him wide. And telling them cruise jokes and then barbara you know she was so funny christ was she normal she said, what are you guys doing i said nothing we're just having fun <laughs> oh man anyway uh so go was Sorry, was carvey there you. or do you not want to betray no carve Carve sent back and said uh this is carvey he's like me uh, honest to god nobody goes to less things than carvey because he can't because he's shy Sure. He, he gets to a point where he just thinks, plus he's not a great flyer. You know, I've told you our travails. <laughs> that night we were over the Rockies on MGM Grand. We were in a fucking rainstorm or whatever, thunder out the window, lightning, just bouncing up and down. Carvey and I blasted. Uh, you know, I had had three beers. He had had six because he's not a good flyer. We are in this private car and... Uh, we're just bumping up and down, and he's ordering two beers, and boom, boom, just like we're at a frat party or something. And we're loaded, and the plane is bumping, and he calls Bernie Brillstein, our manager at home. Brad was really our manager, Brad Gray, but Bernie was uh, the emeritus status of the firm. And Dana called, and he's just screaming at him. Funny-wise, Bernie was howling, but the motherfucker, I'm out here in a storm! You're in Malibu. <laughs> Don't take this 10%. I'm telling you, I'll walk. 
That was the flight that Robert Klein got on and came down the aisle. And MGM Grand was this airplane uh, as service between New York and L.A., and it was expensive. Uh, but it was like pre-private jet, private jet, you know? There'd be like 35 seats or 36 seats and, you know, something, and you paid a lot, but uh, you, you got the board at a private hangar. Not that, you know, that matters that much, but to not go through security is a cool thing. I think most people would do that. It wasn't quite what it is now, obviously. It's pre-9-11, but you still had to go to the LAX and, you know, get in lines and all that shit. So it was a bit of a drag. And so you'd go here, and uh, so you had a lot of, I mean, Christ, it was like dining at, uh, you know, the grill or something down there at the bottom of Cannon in Beverly Hills where all the players go. Sure. And, and Robert Klein came on. He came down the aisle. I was sitting there. And he came down the, the center aisle, and he just pointed at each chair. And he said, "Nobody, nobody, somebody, somebody, nobody, 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 somebody." <laughs> and sitting across the aisle from me was Richard Gere, who was laughing so hard at that. And he's. Then all of a sudden, I look, and my wife's laughing with him. My wife's sitting next to Richard Gere. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, so the whole flight, you know, I'm on. Every time I see him chatting during coming, you know, I'm coming over and, honey, <laughs> and, you know, fingering the maloika she'd bought me on a chain for my neck. Just a reminder that she's my wife. Anywho, uh, so Carby and I end up, I just remember him screaming at Bertie. And, uh, God, I remember sitting next to Lawrence Kasdan on that flight once and just talking film. It was fascinating. He had this sort of long draw when he was just, uh, I said, why does Bill Hurt look up and see the clown? <laughs> and Buddy, and he's, well, he sees himself. You realize he's, he now knows he's missed it. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, go ahead. All right. Have I, how many times have I interrupted you? It's each time. It's uh, been to uh, follow up with uh, with some great observations. What people tune in for, Dennis? Sit they tune in for you. Christian. Here, they don't want to hear kibble. me. Let me scratch your neck. Here, go. go. Get, so, get, uh, get what, the tennis ball. What a few people are looking uh, to hear your feedback on, including somebody on Twitter named Closet Conservative, is a story that's uh, getting a lot of attention. A Cleveland radio station has decided to stop playing that song, it, Baby, It's Cold Outside, from their Christmas playlist amid Me Too concerns. Oh, fucking nuts. I don't know what to say. I don't even think that song matters to them. I think there's a whole new thing where you can accrue... Like I said, for a while, it was the simple alliterative gesture of saying you've gone green, as, you know, would vouchsafe you to knighthood. And now it's virtue signaling like that, that we're not going to play this song, you know, and because that's not what America's about. Yeah, that's why the Cosby show was number one for a decade, because, you know, people got a good read on all that. <laughs> but uh, I don't know what to say that. I guess somebody thinks that the oh what a little oh what a good boy am I from that and I think what a fucking moron. It's an old song. I remember um, Sigourney Weaver and a guy named Chris something or other who was her pianist accompanist uh, Yale friend sang that on SNL one night. And it was so sweet, you know, such a groovy. That was the first time I'd heard it, quite frankly. And to think now it's a uh, you know. Uh, the uh, 
rape MacArthur Park is just crazy how people, crazy people have gotten. And, you know, when you think about the real hardships that people have suffered out there, or you watch this new show on HBO, My Brilliant Friend, and see these pigs in the small town in Italy, and you know it's pretty legit uh, just treating young women like a chattel. I know they're assholes over here. I know Moonves is, should get lit up for this. To think he might get $120 million is heartbreaking and maddening. But that song is not what it's all about. And to take any time out from a girl who is either hustled or felt, felt or raped by a pig and to play around with Christmas carols, you've missed the point completely. I, I don't know what to say. To even put them in the same ballpark seems ill to me. But I guess some people don't want to confront real victims. Uh, you know, maybe this radio guy doesn't want to get out there and go work at a woman's shelter, so all he has to do is say, uh, I'm not going to play this Christmas song because it's uh, about roof and alls, and all of a sudden he's a genius. Uh, what was that joke I used to do, Christian, about uh, my... I said I went from a 32 to a 34-inch waist, and it's so off-putting to me when I masturbate now, I first have to slip myself a roofie. <laughs> I think that was it. Can't do that joke anymore. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> what else? Uh, well, I found it uh, interesting as I was looking for current events. I saw that it was 85 years ago today that Prohibition ended. and uh, It was 85? I've seen that Ken Burns thing. Have you seen it? Yes, I have. It was great. And I just read the Hawks book I told you about. You cannot believe how people get involved. And see, to me, this is the same thing that leads this DJ to not play that song, is to think at some point, some somebody from the other side of it, the Christian side, and there was probably more ample reason to take a stupid run at this thing. Because, you know, Chris, have you ever read anything about gin being introduced into England? How it just turned it into a George Romero film with, you know, umbrollies. Uh, you know, there are, and the, this was a heavy, drunk, weird uh, country where guys did abuse women because they were so drunk, you know, pig husbands and that. So they probably had more legit reason, but it's the same sort of thing that all of a sudden you're going to outlaw uh, altered consciousness for a few years. And what do you do? Immediately you, you birth. Uh, you know, Capone, burp guns, the whole deal. You just set off a chain event that, you know, sometimes zealots, when they get it in their head to do right by the culture, and they never consider the, the second ripple out on the dartboard. Or, you know, that old thing we were talking about the other day where, uh, you know, butterfly flaps its wings in the Chinese bat cave and you end up farting, you know, that whole thing. So uh, they never think of that shit. And uh, watch the Ken Burns thing. It's unbelievable, that documentary. And when you got real problems, and then go watch Ken Burns or whoever did the worst hard time. I mean, maybe it wasn't Burns uh, about the uh, dust storm, and you see when the shit really does hit the fan. To think that on days where that's not happening, we have to go out and look to stop people drinking or move them on the other side of a door. They used to have a storage room. Now that's where you drink. That's all that happened there. They had a front area. Everybody went through the door into the storage area. The front was empty. They stored shit there, and everybody drank on the other side of the door just because somebody wanted to uh, to do well. And you see a lot of that now, but it's on the other side now. It's supposedly the hip kids. All the kids that were taking a shit on the log at Woodstock are now old fucking jerk-offs trying to tell you how to lead your life. So stay out of it. Um, what else you got, Christian? Well, Did I answer uh, the question? I don't even remember your question. Well, I was just uh, talking about the fact that uh, it had been oh, 85 Christ, years since I'm Prohibition. I'm still trying to move on from this. 
<laughs> I mean, really, this is like the end of a Grand Funk Railroad song. It just keeps starting again. One more time. <laughs> Boom. 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 Uh, possibly my favorite headline of the year. Nigerian mm. President Muhammadu Burari denies that he died and was replaced by a clone. Well, that tells me he's dead. <laughs> yeah, that's it was my reaction, too. He never too. talked when he was alive. He always had somebody <laughs> talk for him. So he's speaking on his own behalf now. Nothing more indicative <laughs> of his being alive or him being dead and replaced by a clone. <laughs> dead and replaced by a what? I didn't even hear by a back clone. Then. I was too busy hatching my witticism. He was dead and replaced by a clone. That's what people suspect <laughs> happened there. I haven't heard clone in so long. Do you remember then that was cutting edge technology? Oh, yeah. People were so worried about cloning sheep. And, Christ. Yeah. And then they sucked a little uh, serum out of a, uh, uh, you know, Crichton sucked a little serum out of a mosquito that had fed on a T-Rex and some amber. And all of a sudden that's passe now, man. <laughs> I don't know what cloning's called today, but uh, making somebody... I think it's called plastic surgery. <laughs> I, I think it's called Golden Triangle of Beverly Hills down at the base of Doheny. Uh, Victoria Principal's former husband, plastic surgery, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, is there a second thing, or this is just one? We're going to hit it from different ways. No, no, like no. I'm, I was moving on to like the next... I feel like I'm in Rashomon or you know, Bonfire the, the Vanities, where we come at something from seven different perspectives and... You're, you're into faceting today, like the guy in Oxnard who cuts the diamonds. Can I? Can, is there a second topic? Kevin Hart has been announced as the host of next right. year's Oscars. Great, right, right? I think so. I think he, yeah, I think it's a good fit for him. Yeah. He gets it. He'll come out. Although he's tiny, that's going to be awkward when he holds up the Oscar and it's bigger than him. <laughs> that's what they ought to do. Is just scale it a little because everybody knows he's short, and they yeah. always have a big one on stage anyway. So they ought to build a balsa wood one or a styrofoam one that looks great, but it's very light to carry, like those barbells you see sometimes in commercials where they lift them easily. You should come out with an Oscar that's two inches taller than him. Say, yes, this is to scale. Boom. Good night. <laughs> I think it would be a great opening. Um, I'm uh, My career not as hot. He's hosting the Oscars that night. I'm hosting the Felixes, <laughs> which is uh, less messy. Well, this is a good opportunity to mention that if people are looking for you in February... Wait, I had a joke here. You figured it out. And did I tell you uh, Lloyd's of London just went under? You did not. Yeah, bankrupted. They had to pay out a carpal tunnel thing to <laughs> DJ Skrillex. I think I told you that on a previous show, didn't I? <laughs> that part you definitely Oh, did. there's an accusation. Another guy under a gun from the Me Too movement. Neil deGrasse Tyson... Evidently went where no man had gone before. <laughs> oh, would you get so quiet? Astronomer Neil. I should have put that in because people were singing the grass. What, what do you mean? When Drake was in the wheelchair? No, <laughs> no, no, Neil deGrasse. Whatever the hell. Is an Axel yeah. Grove or an Neil, Neil deGrasse Jr. High. Yeah, you're right. Uh, he would have been better off calling himself Neil deGrasse. I think the ratings would have been bigger. Because, you know, you just see that in TV Guy. Does that still exist? Neil deGrasse Tyson. People get, Drake, pre-Drake, before he was cool, in the Ironside chair. And they tune in and you catch a little flow. But anyway, he uh, he's an astronomer and he's been facing some sexual accusations. So what I said was he boldly went where 
evidently Milban had gone before. And uh, my favorite episode of uh, the Grassy Trek was uh, the trouble with moon vezes. <laughs> Remember, they were cuddly little creatures, but yeah. they. Say something else. Now. Well, that's why I was trying to let nobody everybody has know. to tee up his tee ups more than me. I was trying to let everybody know where they can find you and Mark Stein, Reading, Pennsylvania, Friday, February twenty second. Hey, I sold four tickets the other day, one of those shows. So thank you, folks, for being there for me. <laughs> I, I think it's because we do these thank spots it's here, like the kids running down the street in uh, <laughs> one of those countries over there when Obama said he'd back his black back their play, and then. So they went out and did the Tiananmen Square Korean style or whatever <laughs> that country is. Korea, Iran. Yeah, you know, it's the same All place. All right, folks, if you can take one thing away from this show, anything over there past Hawaii, the same. I know you're going to spend all day. No, no, I have to be cultural. I have to honor each one. And No. That whole Get past Hawaii, and I'm not even talking that end island there. The first four islands, past there, the same. That's it. And if I can teach you one thing, in a loving world, that's all I'm going to say, is it's all a big, big Benetton ad on a bus in Manhattan. But if you can teach them two things, the other thing would be that you and Mark Stein will also be in Syracuse, New York, Saturday, February 23rd, Rochester, New York, Friday, March 1st, and Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, Saturday, March the 2nd. And listen, folks, if I can make a difference in just one person's life, uh, that's really not enough, is it? That's sort of an asshole goal, because you'd probably make a difference in somebody's life not trying to make a difference, right? Yeah, I think so. So you got to shoot a little higher than that. you got to make a difference in a couple people. Do subtract. <laughs> See what I'm doing there? I'm applying jargon to it. I'm trying to salve up a weak premise and get it going, put the paddles on it with some jargon. Yeah. Not working in this case. Uh, what else you got? Chris? Our friends I'm not at, wheezing as much today, am I? You sound a lot better. I yeah. think it's the filet fish did you right. Yeah, that's the price. filet fish <laughs> is like drive through oh, I don't want to say that. You know what I almost said. I do. So, yeah, you can't. Hmm. Well, half the creativity I have now is tackling jokes before they get out of my mouth. I'm kind of proud of it. I think I start getting paid for that. Because you think I'm preforming over here as you listen to this. I can't tell you the shit I'm shutting down before it gets out of the station. That's that's where I dedicate all my, my any improvisational talent I have now is for tackling things that used to be funny and rough and are now unsafe and ill-conceived. Um, so anyway. Our friends at uh, Bet DSI aren't with us this week, but uh, I wanted to let you know where you're at for the season. Uh, they didn't. They didn't uh, publicize. They did not. Uh, they did not. They did not uh, sponsor us just for this week. But uh, Jesus, I'm, I'm like I've I'm forty and fifteen or something. Thirty-five, seventeen, and two. Ah, Doctor Buzzkill. Yep. That's why I told hey, you. Hey, there's a self. Uh, in the, the, for the first time during the hour show, he said something positive about himself instead of self-denigrative, and Christian dove on the grenade. I told you that's not what people tune in for. 
35, 17, and 2. All right, I'm at 66. Um, and they didn't come on this week, but they're getting the ad anyway. What tells me they won't be on next week? Well, we'll if you set- were bet DSI, and on the week you decided not to advertise on the show, we advertised them by talking about their lack of advertisement. Would you do it next week? No, I think they would be. Uh, they would be happy that, that we place? talked about them. I'm uh, going through. Uh, Jesus, I late- feel like I tried to cop a feel in a theater or something. <laughs> it's late onset puberty. Huh? It happens. It's one of those things where you put your Johnson up through the popcorn <laughs> container. That's how I met my wife. <laughs> oh, but that's just a joke because obviously that is not how I met my wife. No, no one should do that. No one should. They ever don't do even that. have butter in this theater. What are you talking about? <laughs> All right, and, and are we almost done? Well, we're we're a solid hour in. So now now this is this well, is just a great. Can you wrap, uh, Do a few things to wrap it up. Let me flourish here a little. Let me work close to the horns. Do a little cape work. And I'll plunge the sword into your frontal lobes around six or seven minutes from now. Oh, you got to subscribe to this podcast, yes. folks. I, they told me to smooth that in. I can't. You ever hear Limbaugh or Hannity? They'll be reading, you know, uh, something, some horrific story from the world. Mostly Hannity does it. Limbaugh's still pretty smooth about it. And then, uh, you know, Hannity will be talking about somebody kicking in the door and taking some missionaries in sub-Saharan Africa. And then he'll, like, without a millisecond pause, go, you need a camera at your doorbell. <laughs> You'll think, Jesus Christ, he's into an ad already. It's like the bat break, the bat shoot pops, and all of a sudden he shifts gears. You think, I, don't, I can't do commerce right now. You left me, you know, Albert Schweitzer just got... Uh, Dragged out of his hot, for Christ's sake. Anyway. So uh, at a uh, at a restaurant, a steakhouse in Australia, vegans clashed with diners after storming the steakhouse to play recordings of cows being slaughtered. Hmm. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same page. Oh, no, no. I subscribe to a Muzak service. Muzak. <laughs> wait, wait a second. Tell them you didn't shut me up. <laughs> Booza. Uh, and by the way, I can guarantee if they opened one of those Outback Steakhouses in fucking Australia, they, they, they'd revolt. Oh. They can't be their steakhouse. <laughs> There's no way. They're not going to buy an ad here, are they? No, no, I don't think so. Holy Christ. Folks, um, those are not restaurants. Those are vehicles to present tabletop photography work on commercials. Because <laughs> you watch the commercial, you you just want to, you know, you want to, you know, those walls at athletic centers that you can climb. They show you their corn cob, and you just want to get in there and dig your foot in, and then reach up above the next kernel and climb that corn cob. That's how beautiful it looks. And you, have you ever had the corn there? I can't. It say looks I like have. it's just been interrogated. <laughs> Like waterboarded. It's, it's all fucking wet and skeevy. Christ, I had a steak there. I had to put a monocle, a jeweler's loop to find the fucking thing. And that blooming onion, I, that, well, at least there's some girth there. You can see why they sell that. But have you ever seen a calorie count on one of those? I have, yes. You could eat one of the diners eating that and not put it on as much weight. <laughs> Hey, wait a second. Oh, wait a minute. 
I can never get anybody to stay on. Hillary Hello. thinks you've had enough. Hello. We're on the radio. I'm telling you, I get a call a year, except when I'm at work. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, this time, I turn into the chicken white Christmas, <laughs> you know, at the switchboard. Go ahead. Uh, the NYPD has launched a drone program, you know, sort of more. Mm, yeah, I know. The Blasio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what somebody should come up with, a talking drone that just drones, you know, like a really nasally, whiny fuck drone. Where you know it just drones on, you know it hovers above me, photographing you, <laughs> spying on you while you make love. Fucking drone. Anywho, anywho, that's uh, the fish talking there. That's the fillet of fish talk. <laughs> that is some of the weakest. That is cheese. They find in the backpack of somebody stranded on Kathmandu. <laughs> Wait, the drone drone? No, I disagree. Really? Yeah. Ah, look at me. I don't want to say I'm narcissistic, but I insist super surveillance drones only shoot me from the right side. <laughs> uh, you know, speaking of... Uh, oh, that's the one I thought was funny. So uh, you thought the one that inadvertently... Uh, I was going through LAX last week. The woman working the uh, security checkpoint was so obviously bored by her job. She was uh, sitting at that TV monitor watching baggage from another airport. <laughs> yeah, all right. uh, I'm trying. Speak, speaking of fast food, uh, Burger King has announced it's offering customers a Whopper for one cent. But to use it, they have to be logged into their app inside of a McDonald's. And then they'll direct you to a Burger King where you'll get it for one cent. You know what a Whopper for one cent is? And Burger King, you go in and hand them a penny and they say, this is good for you. <laughs> That's the Whopper. Um, what do you have to do? So you have to, you, you have to be by a McDonald's and somehow the app senses your location. And then it'll say like, okay, you can get it for one cent, but come on over to Burger King now. They're trying to lure you away. So that's who we're, we're surveilling now? People are throwing a dart between McDonald's? You know, yeah. used to be spies? I mean, these so could be spies. So what are you I've got a guy in bib overalls in Kalamazoo yeah. who's trying to throw a dart, whether he wants to go down from cardiac arrest from a Whopper or a quarter ponder. Yeah. And we've got a chip in him? Yes. <laughs> we've, we've got <laughs> so one of those. you're just saying essentially everybody's surveilled at this point because he's not exactly Aldrich James. What else are we doing with the drones? Yeah, we're keeping an eye on everybody. <laughs> God forbid he wants to go to Wendy's. Oh, that's so funny to me. And you know what food puts you to sleep more than any? Have you ever had Panda Express? No, no, no. My wife won't let me eat that. Oh, my God. My son and I went to spring training last year. And I must admit it's good. But you if you go there 10.30 at night after a film or something and get some of that orange chicken and the rice, I'm telling you, you might as well just order a big ambient roast because you cannot stay awake more than four. It's like a picture, a Norman Rockwell picture of me with a sharpened knife and one of those big cutting forks standing next to a huge ambient just slicing pieces off. Nothing like the panda will put you under. And I think sometimes when somebody gets injured and they have to induce a coma, they just send them out to eat at Panda Express. And then they shuts the body down so they can find a cure for it. All right. I think I'm almost done, Christian. I should have got out of it in an hour, but I thought I'd stay in and try. But there's, you can see 
there's nothing here. I don't have any f- good protein in me. I've got fil- yeah, and the fillet of fish is excellent, right? Yeah. Let me ask you this. I know that guy made a living out of eating bad shit for him, and no, I don't mean Divine from the John Waters <laughs> film. Uh, <laughs> Spurlock. Yeah. And uh, isn't that something? Uh, we we're talking about Low Jack, and then we we're talking about Buff Jack. Correct. And I think Spurlock is something you put on your horse to keep people from stealing it, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but uh, this Spurlock, like, it killed me. You could go anywhere. You could eat good food every day for a year and get sick, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I remember Spurlock, four months, he has no career. And you go, how do we get started? Well, get yourself right up to death store eating bad food, and we'll do a documentary. All of a sudden, you'll be a filmmaker. And uh, so I understand that can catch up to you. But do you think, and I, I've queried you this before, do you think me having a fillet of fish there, and, you know, I used to try to blase through it, probably doing it once a month now or a month and a half, fries, um, fillet of fish, and a Diet Coke, deadly? No, especially the the amount you're talking about. I know Ian has, well, I'm not saying, I'm not going to speak for Ian about a love loss for McDonald's, but you feel it's really bad for you, right? Haven't we talked about it? Yeah. yeah. I know it's not great for you, but I'm just saying, am I, am I literally, you know, playing uh, John Savage, you know, in Deer Hunter here? It's got to be better for you than the Bloomin' Onion you were talking about earlier. Just... Yeah, that Bloomin' Onion. You're, the calorie count on that is something like 1,300 calories, I think. Or maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's more than that. But it's, it's almost like you could just... Uh, you know, uh, have one of those and sort of camel out and feed off your, you know, succubus hunk f- for the rest of the year. Just put one of those bloomers on you. Uh, <laughs> once again, I had nothing, so I went all jargony and jazz talky. All uh, of a sudden, I'm Dexter Gordon at an open mic night. By the way, um, the, uh, the Bloomin' Onion is 1,954 calories. Holy Christ, <laughs> I was born in 1953. If I ate that, I'd die in 1954! <laughs> Folks! Folks! <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got time for one mailbag and then I'm out of here. Well, I got nothing left. I'm I, running on vapors. I mean, I, I feel like I got to plug the special. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, well, plug that and then ask me a question and let's rock it. All right. Uh, Dennis's latest comedy special, Fake News, Real Jokes, now available on Amazon, iTunes, Steam, Google Play, and plug several other COVID platforms. And you know, earlier you were talking about how we should subscribe to the podcast. And the reason, the way to subscribe to the podcast is at podcast1.com, or you can download the app. And of course, also on Apple Podcasts. The Dennis Miller Option. Subscribe to it today. My way, the stingrays and jags were so far behind. I took my plugging out of gear and I coasted the line. Shut them, plug little Christian, getting ready. <laughs> Any mailbag? Jim Tomlinson writes, Love Wait, you, whoa, workshop. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know my issues with Jimmy Tomlinson. Yeah, but huh? he's worked I identity them. thefted him once <laughs> and his credit was so bad it fucked mine up. <laughs> No. He says he loves you workshopping material on the podcast. Quote, renderings unto Caesar. I will order that next time. Um, that was about a gyro sandwich, wasn't it? Or what was it? An au jus sandwich? Because I, <laughs> I have it here on my notes. Yeah. And I said I should try that joke on stage, but I can't even remember what it was. Everything at Caesar's is named after something to do with ancient Rome. Right. And then I have in quotes, renderings at Caesar. But what was renderings? Uh 
uh, an au jus sandwich or how did I get to that? What what sort of restaurant was it? Well, see, now I don't remember. I thought I thought it was what you said, but well, uh, Jim, let us Jim, know. Jim, <laughs> send us a letter next week because yeah. I know you think I'm. What was the what was the workshopping? Yeah, <laughs> workshopping. You're barely in the business, Jim. <laughs> no, Jimmy. Come on. I, I, Come on, I'm over You're going to be on Jimmy Fallon cheese. next week. I'm trying to stay in. This is a Tonight I'm Show. I'm Sam B, but I'm trying to stay in. So I'm not hardly working. Sh- oh, yeah, I got a uh, next Wednesday, I believe, I'm on the Jimmy Fallon Show. So give it a tumble. I told you some of my Fallon stuff already. I think I got a pretty good handle on it. And uh, maybe I'll put the Bush stories in. Do you think I had to do the... Uh, fake uh buzz in my coat and say jimmy i gotta take this it's uh today's schedule for the nick jonas Priyanka Chopra wedding i i know it's 17th day do you think that'll work or will everybody just look at me and no i think i think that's in his wheelhouse you know the jonas brothers that's that's the i think he'll laugh maybe hardest at that and now i'm gonna do in hey why don't we do some dueling uh drake on degrassi impression <laughs> should i throw that in Please do. Uh, I, I'm planning to watch anyway. Okay. But, uh... Do you think you'll like that? <laughs> Let me write that down. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Folks, uh, if you subscribe to the podcast, you've, you've gotten a prehand look, as they call it. I remember Paul Newman in prehand look. Um, Dueling, Drake. It's even got the uh, triple D. Dueling, Drake on Degrassi impressions. Or dueling Drake impressions from Degrassi or dueling Drake impression or dueling Degrassi impression? Uh, Dueling Drake on Degrassi impressions because it's a very specific period of Drake. Okay. Dueling Drake on Degrassi or dueling Drake impressions when he was on Degrassi. Do do I end with impressions or Degrassi? Uh, Impressions. Should be the last because the phrase Drake on Degrassi is what's funny to me. Yeah, dueling Jimmy, Jimmy, let's do some dueling Drake <laughs> on Degrassi impressions. Okay, <laughs> we'll let the crowd decide. All right, there you go. Birth of a joke. All right, um, thank you all for listening. Subscribe to the thing, it, it evidently matters a lot. I know you're thinking, Why well, tune in, Dennis? Yeah, it's free. There's two ways you can do it you can tune in. Or all you have to do is this subscribe thing. I know everybody's so paranoid about their data. I mean, all these people who are paranoid about their data, and yet I'm in a fucking mall next to them, and they're talking, and his goiter acted up, and we couldn't fuck. <laughs> You're thinking, geez, I'm waiting for a plane here. How do I know that? And then they look at you. You're not CIA. I shut up. I don't care about any of this. Uh, that takes, me, but, back uh, to, that takes so, me back to traveling with you. <laughs> question, was I not up late? You told me ahead of time. You said get ready. <laughs> was it be- was it unbecoming? No, it was it was hysterical because there was a lady doing exactly that, and you sat down next and to her, just talked with, talked her. on the phone, talked louder than her. She was so loud, so I get close to her, and <laughs> I would just answer her questions equally loud. And she'd look at me like I was nuts. I said, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're on the phone." And I go, "Just Christ, I, you didn't tell me that his web foot tour." I thought you were asking me, and I said, what web foot? I don't have a web foot. (laughs) 
I don't think I've ever seen you laugh hard. <laughs> Weren't we on some shit plastic placard airline where I get into a fight about that, too? Yeah, because it was Southwest. It was the only way to get from New Orleans to Phoenix directly. And you were you had, like, seat A1, which is supposed to be the first person let on. Yeah, you, you get yeah. these idiots who get to Southwest so early, their number is fucking in Roman numerals, you know, and all of a sudden they're claiming turf on you. I'm number one. I, there's some seat you can get on Southwest where you spend four extra bucks and you're yeah. flying the damn thing. I've spent the four bucks, and yet I've got people loading up from ancient Rome to get in front of me because they've, uh, oh, I thought they said if you've ever had a kid, you can go first. <laughs> now the kid has to be, well, my kid's a veteran. Can I, hey, I'm, I paid some extra money. Not the best. That's bad. I was just riffing there, but you shouldn't say that. But what are some of the things you can get on early for now? Does that list get longer every time you go to the airport? Yeah, I mean, I think they even say, or you need more time, you know. Did you ever see the uh, the person they wheel up on the Hannibal Lecter gurney right to the door, and then they jump off and run down the jetway? <laughs> I may you have think, th- what? I may have done that. What is your problem, Doc Nimble? <laughs> Christ almighty. It's like Valerie Bermel from the 66 Olympics is like, was there Olympics? I don't know, 64. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got a high jumper who's like going over row one to get into his seat in row two, <laughs> but through the airport, you know, he's all muzzled like Gilbert Crape's mom or something. <laughs> all right. You got a rocket. Um, any more promos to do for my stuff? No, we got uh, we got the special. We got the Stein dates. Mm-hmm. You have other dates, but I feel like mm-hmm. we should focus on Stein for right now. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I got to get these Stein things going. So you've done that for me. What else can I do? Do I pay you enough to demand you hit yourself right now? You know what? You hit you... yourself a little, not hard, and not 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 in the egg soft eggshell bone around your brain case, where I might have to eventually come to a fucking solarium and read White Fang to you. But just <laughs> bruise a big bone. There. All right. That's all I want. Complete and utter supplication. It's the Dennis Miller. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dennis Miller Option. Until next time, that's the show, and we are out of here.